0: Welcome back to Technotopia, a podcast about a better future. I'm John Biggs. Today on the show, we have Fred Ruckel. He's the creator of the Ripple Rug. This is Technotopia. Technotopia is brought to you by Typewriter. Typewriter is your on-demand editor, and their amazing team of writers will make your book chapter, blog post, or email shine. Typewriter editors come from places like TechCrunch, Gizmodo, and the New York Times, and they offer low bulk rates for longer work. Check it out at typewriter.plus. That's typewriter.plus. Welcome back to Technotopia a podcast about a better future. I'm John Biggs. Today on the show, we have Fred Ruckle. He's the creator of the Ripple Rug. Your company is called Snuggly Cat, uh, Fred, and... I think we need some. We need to explain why you're on a show about the future, uh, specifically, because I think I think your product is actually one of the most futuristic products that we've talked about. But why don't you describe it for everyone?
1: Uh, well, the Ripple Rug is a, a. It was born out of necessity. There was a problem from our kitten starting to destroy furniture, <laughs> and from that we <clears throat> we realized that. Oh, my God, it's going to destroy everything in the house if we don't fix this. So I made a playground and the playground became the ripple rug. And from there, it's grown and we've evolved the brand and the product to be of the highest
0: quality and making sure that, you know, we follow everything down the line. So to be abundantly clear, this is a rug that cats can jump and play on and it has holes in it so the cats can go inside the rug.
1: Yes, the it's it's a rug system, so cats can dig their nails in, they can chew on it, roll on it, groom on it, hide inside, tunnel in it, and they like to play with their owners. And it's it's really truly meant to be an interactive world for a cat to play with its owner and give enrichment to both the cat and the owner because it's been proven that playing with your pets actually does lower your blood pressure.
0: Okay, so now the the reason why I, I discovered I I heard about you is you were on a uh, I think it was Planet Money, wasn't that right? Uh, that is correct. Yeah, and you were dealing with some interesting, decidedly futuristic problems. You were selling a really cool product. You were selling a product for cats. You wanted to make people happy and reduce their blood pressure, but you 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 fell into all kinds of weird problems in terms of manufacturing, in terms of distribution, in terms of sales. So essentially, you're on the cutting edge of of uh, of sales and manufacturing, even, even though you, whether you want to be or not, right? yeah i mean we we had to
1: really implement a lot of technological advancements just because it's a company of two. The wife and I run everything, and we do it together, so we had to build efficiencies in and we're fortunate that our past careers in advertising and technology allows us to do this ourselves
0: mm-hmm. so that's that's an interesting question. so imagine we're ten years down the line if I have an idea like the Ripple Rug, would I be able to recreate what you did? Are you guys, did you guys do something special? What was the secret sauce to get the product out the door and and onto shelves or into people's homes?
1: Uh, Well, first we we did start from the basics, but utilizing crowdsourcing and all of that, we did a Kickstarter campaign. In fact, today, February 14th, is actually two years from the day that I came up with the Ripple Rug. Okay. Imagine that, today's (laughs) anniversary. Um, And I just realized looking at the calendar, sorry. And, uh, sorry, where was I? I lost myself there.
0: It's fine. Today, today, the two, two years from the anniversary.
1: Uh, well, we made the ripple rug and we did a, a Kickstarter campaign in 2015 that rolled in and we used Kickstarter as a litmus test. We wanted to use it to find out if we had interest in our product, if there was people that would want to buy it, if we could get world reach and if it was just small, and it was a great litmus test because, yes, it did not give us a ton of money, which some people get windfalls, and that's great for them. But we passed our litmus test. We saw, saw that people were interested in this product and that we could bring it to market at a reasonable cost price. But the hardest part was that we were steadfast in everything had to be made in America, every single component.
0: Mm-hmm. So why did, why did you pick that? Why, why did you want everything to be made in America?
1: Well, because I'm American, and I like to help our economy as best
0: possible. <laughs> okay. Everybody everybody wants to profit
1: big and you know make lots of money, and that's great. And I would feel fortunate if something like this could be such a nice thing, but it was really invented out of necessity, and it solves a problem that has been age-old since people owned cats. And we really did it for that reason, not for making lots of money. And so making it in America means you make a lot less profit, but – I know that someone's putting their child to college or food on the table. I know that, you know, families around America are benefiting. I'm not putting a a person to work for peanuts per day in a, a foreign country that really has no work environment that's suitable for humans and people to be in. And we make sure that everybody is compensated properly and paid the right wage and only works a normal day. And we're unique in that sense. We thought that it was important that somebody had to show you could make a product in the United States, follow the rules, and be successful. Okay.
0: So, what did it take to to get that done? I've I've talked to a few folks who have who've tried to make things in the U.S. specifically. Uh, no. My buddy Bree Pettis, he tried to make MakerBot in Brooklyn, etc. What did you have to do to get that that sort of uh, that sort of thing to happen?
1: I had to utilize my ability to reach out and go directly to manufacturers or in our case a carpet mill and have direct relationships. The problem is that there's always so many middlemen between you and the tangible end result that it becomes cost prohibitive and somebody has to add on a markup and someone adds a markup on that and on that and when you experience, you know, that kind of thing trying to bring a product to market, you just have an overwhelming overhead and in our case, because of my background in advertising and marketing and everything, I was able to reach out to the people because I know how to find them because of the technology that I've always employed in my business. Mm-hmm. So it really helped a lot.
0: So tell me, this, tell me the story of, of maybe one of your suppliers. What, what were they doing before? What have, how, have, how has your business changed, uh, I guess, their business?
1: Uh, well, our, it's funny. you know Our main place where we do the final fabrication – uh, and most of it all happens in Georgia, but to be fair, we actually have 10 different companies involved with the creation of the ripple rug. So every ripple rug that someone holds in their hand, 10 companies worked on that product and it came from four States around America. And, uh, we brought this into Georgia. We would really like to be manufacturing in, sorry, manufacturing in New York. However, Georgia is the carpet capital of the world. And the best thing for us to do was to find a place, a contract manufacturer, in Georgia that we can have the carpet mill send it directly to them and not have to ship it a thousand miles north to begin the process. Mm
0: -hmm. So that's interesting. uh, Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, by all means. No, I'm just, I'm I'm fascinated by the, uh, by the concept. So the, is this the future of manufacturing? Is your idea the future of the manufacturing or are you doing something artisanal and, uh, and small? Uh, that's that's the that's the age-old question. Can I can I create an electronics product uh, that way? Can I create a uh, multiple pieces of clothing that way? What are what are what are the limitations in place right now uh, because of the way the manufactured globalized manufacturing?
1: I think the biggest or the only real limitation is how much you yourself invest into doing it. And when I say that, I mean you have to do the research. You can't just take the first thing you see. A lot of people. Are so quick to just jump in and go go go, but we're very prudent and we take cautious steps so that we don't sidestep or backstep, and we have made very steady progress in all of our endeavors in the last two years since we began this Ripple Rug project. Uh-huh. And the, the companies, the companies that work with us, you know, they won't lie. I'm, I'm, as they somewhat say, a little bit too much of a perfectionist, <laughs> and I have to learn to let go but um you know when you're starting a brand you want to set the bar as high as possible and while they don't like that I'm particular and if a label's just even a few degrees off square and I'm unhappy about it I'm unhappy about it and that unit gets sidelined I I take you know a lot of pride in what we do and make sure that when people get it they say wow this is this is done right and that's important in today's day cuz people make knockoffs they make cheap versions with inferior textiles, and they erode the business by trying to profitize off someone like myself who spent the time and built the brand and then they come in and they try and make a cheapy version and take over mm-hmm. so it's really a hard thing
0: so that's that's an actually interesting that's an interesting point uh, so how do you avoid how do you avoid that sort of uh... Those knockoffs—that's sort of pain because I know there's something like the the Fidget Cube, for example. That's sort of like a little tool that uh, that you play with, and people have been uh, people have been knocking that off left and right, right?
1: Yeah, there's actually quite a bit out there, and it's sad to say that uh, the small inventor like myself, who does a Kickstarter to try and start from nowhere, is usually the, I hate to say the low hanging fruit that they try and go for because they figure your naive to the way the world of let's say as seen on tv type products are or infomercials and dr tv so they try and take advantage of that and they sometimes will just quickly script up something just to see if they can take that product and uh, i'm facing something right now that is very troublesome and i've actually had a friend last year who had the exact same scenario that i am facing today which Someone pretended to have their product to sell and is trying to see if people want to buy it, and we don't know where we're going to be. I mean, this week is a, a crazy week for us.
0: Okay, so so there's there are two ways people do this. There's the dropshipping way that you talked about before, uh, where they basically buy the product and resell it, and then you get stuck with the returns. Is that right? There is the arbitrage method. Yep. Uh, sorry, the arbitrage method,
1: and uh, that story which has never totally, totally come out. The back end of where they actually make even more money is that when they do the arbitrage, just to elaborate, because no one has ever had this in their story. What, why don't you
0: talk about the whole process? So, so, you, so in, in very specific, you had the Ripple Rug. It was up on Amazon. Sure. What, what happened then?
1: So essentially uh, what we did was we have our product selling on Amazon. And we, we went with fulfillment by Amazon, otherwise known as FBA. Mm-hmm. And that is that Amazon – Amazon fulfills all of your orders to ship to customers, you simply send it from your factory or warehouse to the Amazon warehouses, and they handle everything. It's the hands-off approach, which for a moment is like, wow, that's great. But once you send your inventory to Amazon, it then is open season for these people that use software to grab your Amazon listing and make a fake eBay store to cross-sell your product with a marked up amount and when people search on eBay, they find that product and they say, oh, I'll buy it because this person has 14,000 stars. And, you know, me, the actual inventor, I'm new. I had like five stars. Mm-hmm. So I didn't even candle to these guys. And the other thing is when they sell it on eBay and cross it, what happens is I'm in New York and I had sales tax in nexus in all these states that I had fulfillment centers via Amazon And because of that, I had to charge sales tax to people. Now go to the arbitrager. They live in a state that the Amazon warehouse is not in. So they can actually offer my product with no sales tax and utilize my free shipping to send it to a customer. And then when the customer finds out that it's not even the real person or the real product, they want to send it back. Due to Amazon's fulfillment by Amazon policy or free returns, That eBay seller gets a free return label and then turns around and sends it to the eBay buyer and charges them 10 to $12 for that free label, of which I technically paid for via my return fees and everything in Amazon.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it, it goes deeper than that. And this is the part that's been missing in every other story. And that is the arbitrager buys it from an Amazon affiliate link to garner another 7% to 8% on the sale, and then they use an Amazon-issued credit card to get another 3%. <laughs> so these people go really deep, and it's amazing when you think about it. So before the sale's even made, they've actually walked off with like 10 to 12%. And they get a return, they make more money. So it really became a big problem for me when I realized, and I was fortunate because of my background, that I could pick up on this Mm -hmm. trend that was happening, and that was only solely because we are the inventors, the only manufacturer, and the distributor across the entire world. And because of that, I know every place my product is, and I was able to break down what happened and disassemble, and then I realized what happened, and I pulled out of fulfillment by Amazon, and the problem disappeared.
0: So this, so this podcast is about the future, but what you're saying is that the future is, is, is too great. <laughs> it's too powerful.
1: Uh, you know, it's just the future is that people are getting lazy and greed is really taking root and mm-hmm. people want to capitalize. You know, the better that we do in our marketing and our sales and our presentations and our videos... The arbitrage is like, great, I got new pictures and videos to show. So you know, as we do better, they have better collateral. And if they make this arbitrage sell, the irony is the person gives that eBay seller a star. They actually get a good review. Great seller, fast shipping, even though I packed it in my garage and shipped it to that person. <laughs> I mean, it's really remarkable. I know. It's insane. So, And Amazon is fully aware. Amazon is fully aware this goes on. So is eBay. And everybody turns a blind eye. So what's the solution what's the solution to this sort of problem well the solution to that problem that specific mm-hmm. one was just leaving fulfillment by Amazon fulfillment by Amazon is where all of this happens when you leave
0: fulfillment by Amazon it disappears so when when Amazon intermediates in your transaction that's when that's when trouble starts because Amazon's goal is at odds with your goal primarily your goal is to make is to make a cat owner happy whereas their goal is to what make a maximum make sale make a sale make a maximum number make of sales sale. they don't care.
1: and then even if the person decides to return it they whack me with a return fee anyway so i get it on both sides a sales fee and a return fee and then i get a disposal fee and a, i mean there's fees fees fees
0: fees mm-hmm. all over and it's a rough so, it's hard, so you as can't a... you can't really resell it per se because you never know what the cat's been doing on it
1: Exactly. We actually have a very good program in place now and it took me a while to develop it. And when we get a return on Amazon, which some Amazon customers decide to return it, we actually put it in donations to centers. So instead of even sending it to me… We have you bring it to a local ASPCA or a nonprofit organization and donate it on Snuggly Cat's behalf, and we give a full refund to our customers. And this way, everybody wins. Even though we may lose product and we lose the shipping costs, we mm-hmm. know that a pet in a shelter is happier. This customer is not going to leave me a nasty review because I said you have to pay a restock fee. Because yep. nobody likes to pay for shipping or restock fees. <laughs>
0: All right. So, what does your business look like in 20 years? Could could I do exactly what you did in 20 years or is there are there new technologies that are improving? What what is what's what's changing in the world of this sort of retail sale, especially online?
1: Sure. I think the hardest thing right now that I'm facing is that there are a lot of softwares that can help you automate and simplify lots of your process. But what no one likes to do is read the fine print of the twenty five or forty page readme file slash sign this and sign away your life document and I've gone through all these things like tax jar and other tax softwares to try and help us with our taxes with sales tax in all these states and truthfully, everybody gathers all your information, and everyone that I talked to I asked i said so." What do you do with these customers' information? Do you sell these customer lists to other people that may be competing? Uh And all of the I talked to said, well, we could not guarantee that we would not sell your customers. So I said, well, then i got to actually manually do this myself or develop a way to do it that I'm not going to give away everyone's privacy. Because we've all been bought and sold by so many lists and softwares that – I'm trying to at least stop that and automating our business is difficult without wanting to give away everything.
0: Would do you think the tools that you have available to you allow you to maintain that kind of privacy? So I mean, obviously not everybody cares about that and you're and you're in a very specific position. But if I wanted to start a small business, would I be able to maintain a user's privacy? Is it getting easier? Is it getting harder? Uh, uh it is getting
1: far, far more difficult than anyone's ever known because they have so many little things buried in those documents that you just click and accept that say, we have the right to sell or distribute your customer information on behalf of third parties and and they sell it and they sell it and they sell it to the next person. So I really have made every attempt to protect all of our customers' data to the nth degree and that... I make 10 times more work for us right now because we have to do things in a a more manualized, even though computerized. I have to use use separate softwares that I will not let connect to each other because if they connect, they share with others. Uh So it's really difficult. And I think that… It's hard for a, a normal business person to get a hold of that because they're just like, just use this software. Use this software. This software, and they don't realize because no one ever told them or read a document that they're giving away information. And I think we're coming to a sort of digital cliff where everybody's information is going to be everywhere and compromised, and no one knows just how far it's going to go. And now they collect your credit card information and wait two months to sell it so that you don't know that you're going to get taken. So our protection methods, while they could be better and more automated. They are as strong as you can ask for in today's day, and I think all customers need to be protected, and employees need to guard people's information and never let that out, and and really hone in on the future is about privacy.
0: Yeah, the the the, the premise of the podcast is that the future is going to be okay, and it seems like what you're saying is that with a lot of hard work, it can be okay. Or is is the future for cats going to be better? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I think that the future is is totally got a great outlook. I mean there's so many things we can do and so much automation capability with machinery and making our products that we're constantly buying machinery and tooling up to make more stuff and make efficiencies and build it so that what used to take a factory of 50 people might take a factory of eight people. Mm-hmm. And while, yes, that's less jobs, if more factories open up in that manner that are automated, you have better quality product coming out of American factories that are set to United States standards, which are far higher in safety regulatory places than other countries. And you're helping America grow again and bring back manufacturing. And that's very difficult because, you know, right now we're in a very weird place with our economy, with the presidency, with everything going on. And, you know, everybody's running in every direction. So it's hard to tell where the future is right now. It's kind of bleak because of, you know, what's going on. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, that's that's why we do this podcast. So we so I can talk to really smart people who are going to say that everything's going to be okay. So I can I don't have to tell my kids that the uh, that we're going to end up eating uh, eating our cats as opposed to putting them on a ripple rug.
1: No, well you know the the ripple rug. What's great is you know even if we got rid of ripple rugs or people got rid of them, you can still recycle them. They're recycled
0: and can be recycled. They can be used so as clothing. Always... Really, <laughs> post post dystopian yeah. clothing. You can wear ripple rugs. Yeah.
1: <laughs> i mean and you know we have we have a bunch of accessories that we're making for the ripple rug and you know we're not going to be a one hit wonder we have a, a bunch of ideas in the pipeline and okay. we're really hoping to put them out but we keep facing adversity at every turn whether it be via amazon or now this new fake company trying to sell my product and mm-hmm. every day we get up we get kicked and it's not about you know that it's about getting back up it's about knowing that we will do good no matter what. And even if people want to knock us down, we'll keep coming back and we'll make a better product and we'll show people you can do this. And it's possible. You just have to believe in yourself and that you can persevere.
0: All right. That's perfect. That's beautiful. So that, that, that kind of that tells the story. Even though, even though it's difficult, even though it's massively difficult to get past a certain, a certain number of, uh, of issues, it's entirely feasible. And that's, that, I think, is, is part of this whole, this whole manufacturing future, right?
1: Yeah, I think it is, and and people just have to know that they actually have to do things. Uh, you know, people are so quick to use an app for everything, and they forgot how to actually do simple math or forgot how to research something actual. And I think that you know, as we go forward, we're going to need our intelligence to all you know get dial back a little bit we're we're getting a little too loose uh, i'm kind of reminded of that movie idiocracy and uh-huh. i don't want us to go towards that movie i want us to go you know we've been going in a great <laughs> way with a lot of progress in our country so and you know we need to get together and and make little businesses like ours happen and show that you could make it here in the us and do this and be a small business and you can survive you just have to be able to fight off all these big people and that's usually where having a lot of money comes into play, which is not something we necessarily have.
0: All right. Well you have you have the love of thousands of cats so far. So I think I think that's good. Exactly. Enough. We got a lot of paws up. <laughs> Fred Ruckle, the creator of the Ripple Rug, one of my favorite products. Uh, thank you for joining us on Technotopia.
1: Thank you. Thanks.
0: I appreciate it. All right. We'll see you next <laughs> week. This episode of Technotopia is brought to you by Walk2. Walk2 is a new app that gives you deals when you walk to local businesses. Walk2 wants to get you off the couch and walking, so it invites you to walk to a new yoga class, walk to a great sandwich or walk to happy hour. You can download it at walk2.co. That's w a l k t o c o. Walk2, let's go.